May he who is the way, the truth, and the life speak to our hearts this morning and guide us. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Dear friends in Christ, burn! He got burned! Oh, that was a good burn. Little TV trivia here. What television series made that phrase, those phrases, popular or familiar? Burned! Oh, that was a good burn. Anybody? She said from the 90s, actually go back two more decades. It wasn't then, but you ever see the television show, That 70s Show? There's a, there's a television show, That 70s Show. I'm not going to say that it was a great show, but I'm from the 70s. And there was a character on there named Kelso. And Kelso is this good-natured, kind of goofball-type guy. And one of the things that he just enjoyed is when somebody got burned. And he was like, oh, that was a good burn. He would just get this childish excitement. You know, somebody was acting high and mighty, and then they got knocked down. And even if it was him, even if he got knocked down, he'd say, oh, that was a good burn. Have to admit it, good burn. There's a part of us that loves a good burn, right? I don't want to wave too deeply into politics, but I'm going to go there a little bit this morning because I saw this past week there was, um, our neighbors to the south, there was this meme that was there, and it must have been a family having this argument where somebody must have been on one side of the political spectrum and one on the other. And so what somebody in the family did is they put a picture of one of those four congresswomen that Trump is going against, President Trump, and, and put her picture up and then put down all, put all kinds of quotes next to the picture. And the quotes were really harsh type of quotes. And, and then the person wrote to the family member on the other side of the spectrum and said, um, so do you really think this person should leave the country because of things they said? And the person wrote back, exactly, that's exactly what should happen to them. And then the person wrote back and said, uh, those were actually President Trump's quotes. There weren't just that, that lady's picture, but those things that were said were actually President Trump's quotes, and the, and the person had admitted that those were terrible things, and whoever said them should leave the country. And it's one of those times where you just go, burn, right? That was a burn. You go through our text for today, and it's burn, 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 right? You go through our text that Jaden, young Jaden read for us, and Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and you and I see burn, burn, burn. And as we read through it, especially as we hear it and read through it, it's, it's somewhat satisfying to us because the Pharisees are getting theirs. And there's something satisfying about that until we look at it a little bit more closely. And then the burn hits close to home. We're in Luke chapter 11, and it said, When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. I've been a little surprised by that, that this summer, going through the book of Luke and the meals that Jesus has. How many invitations has Jesus had and accepted to the homes of Pharisees? And it wasn't the same person inviting them over and over again. We had Jesus at the home of Simon the Pharisee, and that's where the woman with the alabaster jar perfume wet his feet with tears and, and the perfume. Last week we had Jesus at the home of a prominent Pharisee and that's when Jesus healed the man with dropsy and, and Jesus noticed them positioning and trying to get the best seats and he had to speak to them about being humble. And now today we see that Jesus is at another meal and he reclines at the table and then we read this sentence. 
But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. All that comes after, all the burns, all the condemnations come because of this sentence. The Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not wash before the meal, was surprised. Now, had Jesus just broken a social custom, you know, with kind of a full paw not to wash your hands before eating or after using the bathroom? Had Jesus just broken one of those customs? The book of Mark, chapter 7, tells us this. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing according to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. Okay. There is such a thing in the Old Testament, in the Bible, that there were God's people had moral laws, for God's people of all time, there were civil laws, how do we get along as a nation, and there were ceremonial laws. And those were the laws that had to do with of a religious nature. And those laws were written down for God's people to follow. The, more, the ceremonial laws had to do with the Sabbath and sacrificing and all those things. And some of those laws had to do with washing, ceremonial washing. Now when Jesus came, even though we see Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus lived under Old Testament laws. All the Old Testament laws, and Jesus, to be our Savior, had to keep all of the Old Testament laws. In order to be our Savior, he had to fulfill all the laws for us. So, did Jesus miss one of the laws? Did Jesus not keep one of the ceremonial laws from the Bible? It is a fair question to ask. But we also have to keep in mind, as we heard last week, that the, the Jewish people of Jesus' day, they doubled down on the laws of God in the Bible, and they were so sincere about following those laws that they said, we're going we're gonna to surround those laws with more laws. So by the time Jesus lived, instead of having ten commandments, they had 613 laws. Remember that from last week? The, the Jewish Talmud, the writings say they had 39 specific laws concerning what regulated work and what wasn't work and what was work on, on the Sabbath day. And so there were laws about ceremonial washing, but the laws that were in the Bible were laws about the priests and the priests having to wash before sacrifices in the meals. There, there weren't those laws written in the Bible about people in washing. That, that wasn't a law that was given. But the Jewish people made laws. They made laws about how much water you were to use. They made, they made laws about how, how far up the wrist you were to wash. And they carefully observed that. When we were in Israel for a trip, we noticed in the bathrooms and in the restaurants, we noticed observant Jewish people were doing those same things. And we watched, there was a very set routine about how you washed. And obviously, anybody that was religious and spiritual and anybody claimed to be the Messiah would keep all the laws. And so, the, and so this Pharisee <gasps> noticed Jesus did not wash with that ceremonial washing before the meal. Jesus wasn't breaking the, the Old Testament law, but there were laws that were added. Now, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus said to them that at that point, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, you hypocrites. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
They worship me in vain, but their teachings are rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God, and you are holding on to the traditions of men. You are adding laws where God has not made laws. Jesus knew that this particular Pharisee was looking at him about the hand washing and was judging him as Savior and Messiah and as a person. And so Jesus now comes to the Pharisee with this list of woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And you talk about an awkward meal when you're the guest and you're supposed to be nice to the host and now Jesus is saying to the host, woe to you. Remember some of those woes that Jaden read? Woe to you. You make sure the outside of the cup is clean, but your inside is dirty. You're all, right? Ever happen where you serve somebody, something, you're getting a glass out and it looks clean on the outside, but there's some bugs on the bottom? Right? You don't serve that, but Jesus said, that's what you're like. You're so worried about the outward observations and yet your inside is dirty. Woe to you Pharisees. Because you give God a tenth of everything. It's not wrong. In the Old Testament, it was to tithe, mandatory tithing. But he said, Woe to you, Pharisees, you are so concerned about tithing that you even tithe your herbs, herbs, and spices. Can you imagine that? In the kitchen, and you're getting out your, okay, one tenth, and you're getting out your herbs and your spices, and you're giving up and to make sure. And you're so observant about that. And yet you neglect justice and the love of God. You're not being loving to your fellow man. Woe to you Pharisees because you love the most important seats in the synagogue and you love being greeted in the marketplace, right? You love having the good seat at church. You love being greeted in the marketplace. Um, there was a Jewish tradition that the, the, the Pharisees, even though there was only, in the Old Testament there was a law about fasting, like the once per year, that the Pharisees had in their tradition to fast twice a week. And that they even got very good at getting uh, like a, 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 what do you call it, makeup. And so that they got good at um, putting it on their cheeks so that they would look more gaunt. <laughs> right? That was exactly how they looked, right? more gaunt so that people look and say, oh, look at how much they're fasting. You love the public show of attention, right? Like last week we had as far as you, you're jostling for position to get the good seat at the table, and yet, remember what was the strength Jesus pointed out last week with strength finders, strength finders? What was the, what was the strength that Jesus pointed out that was to be a strength? Humility. I'm not seeing Humility. Woe to you, because you're like unmarked graves, which people walk over without noticing it. And we go, well, what's, what's that about? Well, the Jewish people had a law that if you came in contact with a dead person, you became unclean, right? And so that's why graves were very carefully marked, so that you could follow your distance around it, right? But if there was an unmarked grave, you became, you became unclean unknowingly. And Jesus was saying, when people bump into you at the market, you're like, you like an unmarked grave. They're, you're making them unclean just, just by them being around you. Burn, 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 burn. And the people at the table know that the Pharisee is being burned. One of the experts in the law was there at the table also. And just because he was an expert in the law didn't mean he was a part of the Pharisee group. But one of the experts in the law said, Teacher, when you say these things about them, you're insulting us also. Because we also follow all these laws. When you insult them, you're insulting us also. 
And Jesus turns to him and says what? And woe to you! Woe to you, you experts in the law! You load people down with a burden of guilt and you do not lift them up to help them in one bit. You are adding law upon law upon law upon law and can any person get through the day without breaking a law? You're, just, you're shattering laws left and right and we're running behind going, broke one, broke one, broke one, broke one. And you're not helping, you're not lifting anybody up. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets. But it was your ancestors who killed the prophets. And now you build tombs for them in order to honor them? And what's going to happen? You're going to be killing the prophets sent to you today. Jesus himself would be put to death by them. Woe to you, you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. Woe to you. The key to knowledge? What's the only way to enter heaven? What's the only way to enter heaven? Old Testament and New Testament, what's the only way to enter heaven? Abraham believed God and was credited to him for righteousness. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. It is by grace you have been saved through faith in Christ Jesus. And now Jesus is turning to the experts in the law and is saying to them, Jesus who fulfilled all the law. He said, I have come to fulfill the law. Jesus said, you have made the laws so important that the only way that you can get to heaven is through the law that you have in effect blocked the door to heaven to every single person. You have blocked heaven to people. You, the experts in the law, therefore I condemn you. Do you think dessert was offered at this meal? Do you? You ever had a, a meal where it just ended awkwardly? Maybe it was a date where you just left the table because things just weren't going well. The Bible tells us, not about dessert, but the Bible tells us that you know, there's kind of two ways you can go with how this meal ends. When Jesus left there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something that he might say. That's one way you could react. Burn, burn, burn. Feels good. Feels satisfying. Jesus called them out in Mark chapter 7 and he said, you are hypocrites. And even in today's world, in secular society, people understand the word hypocrite. Because hip hypocrite comes from secular society. In Jesus' day, they did not have movies and they had television, didn't have television, but they had entertainment. And the entertainment was what? You would go to the plays. And if you go to the Middle East today and you go to those countries, you see the huge theaters and you can go to the plays. And when you see the plays, there was a good person and there was the bad person, just like always, right? But there was a person that would put on a mask and pretend to be somebody else. And the theater term for that person was what? The theater term for the person that put on a mask and pretended to be somebody else was what? Hypocrite. Jesus took that term from the theater, turned to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and said what? Oh, you hypocrites. 
you are wearing a mask. You pretend to be one thing, but you're another thing. We go, yes, yes, yes. Until, until we look at it a little bit more closely. Hypocrite. Does hypocrisy run in our blood? Does being a hypocrite run in our blood? How many of us here this morning have promised God one thing and then done the other? How many of us have made promises to God about church, about reading the Bible, about offerings, about behavior, about our personal life, about relationships? How many of us have made promises to God that I'm going to be this kind of person and at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, what do we see? Something, what is that? If we say one thing and do another, what, what's a word for that? Hypocrisy, isn't it? It's, it's a hip- hypocrisy. How many of us are better at seeing the sins in others than seeing the sins in ourselves? Right? Remember we talked about that last week? We become experts, experts at seeing sins in others, and we become experts at defending ourselves. How many of us, if we had to tally the score for the last couple of weeks, are better at words of discouragement than encouragement? That we're better at seeing the negative and talking about the negative than seeing the positive in what happened or the people around us, right? Isn't that easy to do, to tear down rather than to, to build up? How many of us, as we come to church this morning, spent more time getting the outside ready than the inside? And there's nothing wrong about getting the outside ready. You look good. (laughs) But as we come into God's house and prepare for communion, what does God ask us? What is God more concerned about? What is God more concerned? Before we approach the Lord's table, what does God want to see? Not hair, not clothes, the, the heart. Your outward acts are in vain, God said to the Old Testament people, worship me with open hearts. And how many times does it happen that we come to church and we we think about everything else, but we just, the inside, we just kind of been too busy for? How many times do we we hear even a sermon or we're going and we're singing and our mind is someplace else and we're thinking other things or pure or impure thoughts? How many times do we hear a message and we think to ourselves, boy, I wish so-and-so was listening. Huh? So if they were here, they would, right? Does that ever happen? To how many of us sitting at the table could Jesus say, whoa, 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 whoa to you? Not just in that 70s show, burn, 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 but Jesus then says the wages of sin is death, everlasting fire. When Jesus gives the words of condemnation, there, there is one of two responses. The people we see in our text, they, they left the table and they fiercely went against Jesus. We are receiving another vicar in two weeks. And when a vicar comes, at the st- I'm not saying this in a self-pity way, and when a vicar comes, it's actually a little bit harder for me at the start than at the end, right? Because I have to 
I have to work with him on every sermon behind the scenes, and at the very start, I have to make sure that every step of the way, and I have to make sure that they clearly divide the law and the gospel in every text. And So that means I have to study before I even talk to him so that I know what's going on so I can at least know a little something so he doesn't catch on to me right away, right? So like with this particular text, if the vicar was preaching it, the vicar would, might ask me, well, Pastor Mark, where is the gospel in this text? That would be a very legitimate question because this text is filled with the gospel as the sweet message of forgiveness. This text is filled with the law. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And it ends with, and they went out and they started to debate him fiercely. And so if the vicar would ask me or ask you, where is the gospel in this text? Because you can never preach a sermon without the gospel. What would you say to vicar Isaac who's coming? Where is the gospel? Where is the gospel? Whose home did Jesus go to? Whose home did Jesus go to? He went to the home of the Pharisee. And in love, he said, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. As what? A way to... Wake him up. Don't look at the laws. Look at me. And there were some Pharisees that in time turned and looked to Jesus. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus in John chapter 3, was a ruling member of the Pharisees. And it was to Nicodemus that Jesus said, unless a man is born again of water and the Spirit. And Nicodemus said, how can this be? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. There's two ways to leave the table. To be like the expert in the law and say, well, you've kind of insulted me also today. Or remember the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee in the temple? And the Pharisee, one Pharisee said, thank God I'm not like other people because I've kept all the laws. And where was the tax collector? Where was the tax collector? The Pharisee stood here and said, I thank God that I'm not like other people. I've kept all the laws. Where was the tax collector standing in Jesus' story? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? No buts, no explanations. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said to the people listening, which one went home saved? the one with the broken heart. No wonder the hymn writer over a hundred years ago sat down and wrote a little hymn that has been a comfort to Christians ever since. There is a balm in Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul. Right? There is a balm there's a balm in Gilead, that place outside Jericho where you could get balm to heal the skin. There is a balm for the soul that has been burned. There is a balm for our sins. And every time we open God's word, every time we come and, and we receive the Lord's Supper and here, we are reminded that in spite of our sins, Jesus comes to our house and he says, I forgive you. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. And just like an aloe plant on a sunburn, 
calms the skin and soothes the skin, so does God's word once again this morning calm our hearts and soothe us to face what we face this week.